0: Say yes and instead of yes, but. Yeah. So I, I've I'll, read that I'll, a lot and I do use that a lot. I think I, that's a really important I, I thing. I very rarely
1: t- use but in a conversation.
0: If you can replace but with and, you always should.
1: Very powerful linguistic tool.
0: Yeah. Because but
1: negates anything you've said prior linguistically. Hello and welcome to Inward Book Club, the show where intermittently recently we take a book, read it, and talk about it. Normally a sales book, and this month, we're reading To Sell is Human by Daniel Pink. That's the boy. That is the daddy. How
0: have you been getting on with it? I mean, we'll save a little bit of this toward the end, but am I glad I've read it? Yes. And are there some good points in it that we can talk about today? Yes, I would say. That's my summary, really.
1: Oh, do you want me to start with my summary? Would you care to begin?
0: What, in the book?
1: Yeah, let's talk. So, what's the book about? So, what does he what, what well, say? Well, no, it's a good title, actually. Oh, it, I he, mean, I couldn't have been more fished in by the title.
0: It's a, it's a good title. And when you get to, uh, he, he follows this brushman a lot of the way through the book, the Fuller Brushman, who I'd never heard of. And the Fuller Brushman sounds a little bit like Zig Ziglar.
1: He's got Zig Ziglar vibes, hasn't yeah, he?
0: Yeah, very much so. He
1: sells fuller brushes. You better give some context around the fuller brush man.
0: Well, the fuller brushes, evidently, this guy, fuller brush man, uh, he set up a company to sell brushes, something like in 1918 after Household house-war. goods. Household goods, yeah, and cloths and things. And then there was uh, a huge army of... Uh, Commission-only brush salespeople, which sounds very much like Avon Cosmetics over here. Yes. That kind of thing. And then his story begins with him following the last ever Fuller Brushman, um, who by all accounts sounds like a guy in his late 60s, early 70s, who's as cheesy as it gets, who's a bit like Zig. And then the Fuller Brushman will will tell us and teach us little lessons as we go through the book, and he refers back to it quite often, is uh, my... Description of the Fuller Brush Man.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting because I've read other Daniel Pink books. First one I've
0: read. First one I've read.
1: And the one I read, I, I, I realised I thought I'd read this. Right. But I couldn't remember having read it. And that's either a really good or a really bad sign.
0: This copy, actually, by the way, was a present from Stuart Bell.
1: Stuart Bell, who's he?
0: Uh, he's a decision maker in the IT industry. I sent him a book and then he sent me this one back. Never got around to he reading it. Did
1: send you the other one back? No, he didn't. No, he didn't.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, sorry, go on, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I, I've read Drive by Daniel Pink, which is about motivation, and I, I actually thought that was really cool. Um, and I thought I'd read this. And then last night, so I thought I'd read it, right? And I thought, right, I've read it, I'll be all right. I'll just read it the night before. And then last night, I sat down to read it and realised I don't think I have read it. <laughs> so I had to power read it until a little bit late in the <laughs> evening uh knowing that we were coming in here to record today so let, let's pick up a little bit I, i'm just on the introduction here the first bit of the introduction and i do like this is he points out that every single one of us is in sales
0: yes i like that i thought that was very relevant you know his point being if you are i don't know if he says painter and decorator but if you're a painter and decorator you're, and you're a one-man business you're, you're you're in sales you're you're selling
1: yeah if you're a lawyer. You're a solo lawyer, running your little law firm. Jonathan, Jonathan,
0: kind of, you're going to lose our entire legal watching audience of lawyers because they're definitely not salespeople. You know they're, how much they're far too I have for they're the far profession. too bright to be salespeople.
1: Yeah, but if you're a solo lawyer sitting at home doing a bit of convincing, you're still in sales.
0: Yeah, that's his point, and I think it's great. And he he does provide some
1: good stats all if the way you're through. A really, dentist doing cosmetic dentistry, you're a salesman. You're flogging... 1,000-pound-a-tooth cosmetic dentistry, aren't you?
0: Yep. He makes point here that he says, statistically, one in every nine American workers works in sales. And this is going back a bit, but um, that's as in hold the job title, sales. And then as he goes through the chapter, he says, yeah, but what about um, if you've got a dentistry practice or whatever? So actually, he thinks that the, the number is much higher.
1: Yeah, that uh, in reality, we're all somehow engage in sales and then he a couple of other bits in the introduction he just gives a a quick sort of overview of what he's going to talk about in the book um he says in chapter three i take on these beliefs in particular the notion that sales is largely about deception and hoodwinkery I'll show how the balance of power has shifted and how we've moved from a world of caveat emptor, buyer beware, to one of caveat vendito, seller beware, where honesty, fairness, and transparency are often the only viable path. So one of the things you and I both said as we were walking into the studio this morning was books bit dated. Yes, completely agree. In in as much as he talks a little bit about something we've both talked about a lot, which is how... There's so much more information in the seller's dome in the buyer's domain now, isn't
0: there? Yes, hundred percent. There's almost perfectly uh competitive information, really, in many respects.
1: Yes. There was a quote later on in the book. I'll come to it. What did he say later on in the book that I really loved last night? About there is stuff that gets bought and there is stuff that gets sold. Um and actually i thought that was a very relevant point which is he talks about how we mo- the stuff that gets bought is increasing in level and value and the stuff that gets sold has dropped so stuff that used to get sold now gets bought
0: yeah and it's very true
1: but what i did point out was and I'd, and that i have found and we'll come back to it later on and that I do think has made the book look a bit dated is I think that rumours of the death of in our world the enterprise salesman is greatly exaggerated.
0: Well, to give you a date on the book, he's talking about these handheld mini computers.
1: These handheld mini computers. So it's
0: obviously pre phones, isn't it? It's pre. Uh, well,
1: he no because he does mention Twitter.
0: Oh, does he mention? Yes, yeah, he, does he mention talks about
1: Twitter. Twitter later on in the book, doesn't he? Um, and then he talks about what chapters he's going to do. So chapter one, we're all in sales now. Um, He said, the song almost always invoking Arthur Miller's 1949 play, Death of a Salesman, in a world where anybody can find anything, just a few keystrokes, intermediaries like salespeople are superfluous. Are we?
0: Um, We are not superfluous, but what's really interesting is, it's going to be, it's changing a lot very rapidly. The landscape. I think it's changing if you look at the time since we've started doing book club, I think the seller's role is changing dramatically.
1: Even since we started doing 100%, this podcast?
0: Yeah. 100%, I really think it is. I mean, it's a bit off topic of the book, really. I don't think it is. But I think that if you, if you looked at some of the automation sequences with personalization, you can run through email. Yeah. Using AI and ChatGPT and all those kind of things, we're just sucking... The salesperson's knowledge base into electronic format to then spit out in electronic format. Yes. Now there's a debate that says, "Well, surely that's happening on the buy side as well." And we're entering, you know, like a, a bit of how you've got uh, um, the stock the stockbrokers for me they're done for. That's just maths.
1: It's maths, and we can all buy our own. It, it, it's, it's maths. Just, it's and, just maths, uh, and
0: we're we- going to take into world affairs. You know the. The, the thing in Israel, the the the, the, the stockbroking maths engines will just work out what that means to the price of stocks and the stockbrokers in the end won't be able to make any money.
1: Well, that's been like that for years on Wall Street. Yeah, but it's
0: getting more and more so like that, I think. One of my mates is an odd setter at William Hill mm. and he's an odd setter by watching football. He, he he watches Australian football. He watched Australian football. He said there's him and they also have a a computer that sets the odds as well. And he said... The odds at the computer sets are the same as my odds.
1: So look at the game we went to on Saturday night. The bookies couldn't call it. Not one bit. But that's the computer. The computer knows. And they were right, weren't they? It was two two
0: each at half-time. But getting back to it, you know, this this, this automation that we're creating in sales, right now it's a bit clunky and a bit crappy. But where are we going to be in five years' time? I thought tech-powered sales by Tony Thingy, whatever his name was, when he was talking about... Um, software that will make cold calls so I've been trialling, I'll tell you about another time but I've been trialling this software product that makes cold
1: calls yeah right and it's not bad I saw one the other day on the HubSpot um, marketplace that basically and we'll almost certainly put this into play I know you'll, you'll almost certainly give me a go ahead on trying it it basically sends text messages to people, yeah, and then the AI communicates with them and qualifies them. So let's say you've got a candidate. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. So where are we then? So basically, it would let's say you've been my candidate. I worked with you in January of 2022. Yeah. And 12 months into your job, I trigger the workflow. It sends a text saying, "Hi, it's JG here. Are you okay? Yeah, just." Just checking in to make sure you're all right with your new job. I noticed you've been there 12 months.
0: Perfect timing.
1: Perfect timing. So it's done it 12 months into the into the candidate journey. Candidate texts back. Hey, text Jay, back. Products no good. Hey, JG, actually, it's not working out here. Workflow says, can I just qualify? Are you currently actively looking for a new job? Yes, I am. Great. Can I put a call in the diary with JG? Yeah. Bang. Done. Lead. Qualified.
0: So let's just take that. As but th- it's doing it at
1: scale.
0: So let's just take that. Let's and the say the AI
1: is make is asking great qualifying questions. So let's
0: say there were a hundred mic prices. Yep. Without the AI, you can manage ten of me. With the AI, you can manage a hundred of me. Correct. So therefore I don't need nine Johnny Grahams. Nope. And, and that's and, a very simple but real example. And that's and, what and, I'm talking about.
1: Whilst this book is a little bit dated, he's making that point. Yes, I he's completely saying, agree. He's saying all of a sudden. We're all in sales. Every single one of us is a salesperson. But actually, landscape's really changing, isn't it?
0: And it's accelerated. don't know when this was written, but it's accelerated ridiculously.
1: I think the AI is, you know, stuff like that. When you see it, you'll just go, what the hell? Oh, and it'll do emails. So, you know, like all those incoming email inquiries. Yeah, yeah. It'll just deal with them for you.
0: So it's going to deal with my LinkedIn inbox as well?
1: Well, we could theoretically forward all our LinkedIn emails into our into a catch-all email and have it respond to all those emails, couldn't we? Yeah, hundred percent. And the AI will deal with deal with them, qualify all those incoming LinkedIn inquiries, and that's nuts when you think about that. Completely agree. Because it's not depersonalising it; it's asking the same questions we'd ask. It's writing it more nicely.
0: Well, you think about the uh, that thing you're working on, which you which can create an interview script in that yeah. that's that's better at interviewing than consultants we've hired.
1: Miles better at interviewing than consultants that we've hired. Nicer, more empathic, kinder. more thoughtful. Questions.
0: Just asks better questions.
1: More thoughtful. Asks better questions.
0: And you mean you've been dealing with some senior guys on it? They haven't complained at all.
1: Not one. Uh, the, not the ones I've tested it on. Guys who earn three, four hundred thousand pound a year. They don't care. They go, wow, this is really cool. It well, asks better questions Well, that's than the recruiter. point. So
0: like if you're a, a body shop recruiter with 100 kids on phones with computers, you just don't need them. And the same no. is going to be true in the sales world. You know, there's plenty of companies in Leeds where we're based, in those white buildings that have just been built, where they're, you know, Partner X that are selling loads of security software. Where are they going to end up in all of this?
1: Yeah, I don't get that. I think they're stuffed those people.
0: I don't I really get that. Do. I
1: don't get quite where their value add is as salespeople.
0: Look at all the larger Are account- you
1: telling me the customers don't and this is the point he's making in the book. Are you telling me that if you're buying Microsoft as your cloud why do you need or a sales Whatever person? it is. Yeah, yeah. Are you telling me that the salesperson has that and he talks about this a lot in the book about the salesperson knows more than the client?
0: Yes, he talks about it later on, doesn't he? Yeah, that's a
1: very key theme in the book is salesman knows more than client and that shifts the balance of power in the relationship. Actually, are you telling me now that the salesperson knows more than the client in Microsoft Cloud? So if I'm some IT leader in a 250-person business... Are you telling me that... a
0: Microsoft Gold partner. You're saying that you're a seller there. Do you know more than the IT director of... of
1: that 250-person business. Some business... You you don't? I I don't know. The company that just sponsored Leeds Rhinos, they turn over about £28 million. Right. They've done a big deal with, with Leeds. AMT Autos probably employs a couple hundred people. He'll have a guy who runs his IT. He'll probably have two, three people in IT, won't he? Yeah. Right? Are you telling me that some guy from... Microsoft Partner X knows more than the guy who runs the IT. I can't see that. No, nor can I. I cannot see it. And the point he's making in the book is he's saying, therefore, actually the way we sell and how we sell is markedly different. In fact, he makes a really interesting point later on in the book about uh, Haribo salespeople. Funnily enough, I played golf with a lad that sold Haribos. Right. I said, that must be a sweet job. (laughs) Anyway, um, I did play golf with the lad that sold Haribo's But he made a great point about the Haribo salesperson in the book Which is, you sell Haribo's eh? But what they were pointing out was Yeah, selling Haribo's You just can't even go in and talk about Haribo's What you've got to do is go in and talk to the customer actually About how they can increase turnover in general And you do a lot of talking about how actually you'd stack your Haribo's With your fries Turkish delights I
0: hate fries Turkish delights
1: yeah, it's because you're weird.
0: <sighs> but I get um, your point.
1: But uh, it, 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 where and actually, a lot of the conversation is not about talking about Haribo's, and I guess a lot of the conversation now is not about talking about Microsoft Cloud. A lot of it is about knowing more than that. But is the, even that the, the a layer that's tr- are the customers really sat there still going? Phew, I'm glad the guy from Partner X turned up today. Well, they've made the, me think shit I'd never thought before.
0: That's not why they're buying for Partner X. They're buying for Partner X because Partner X has got the skill and capacity.
1: The skill, the capacity, and the reputation to deliver.
0: And they've just done it before. But actually, do the salespeople make that much difference, really? Can't see it. It's um, he, interesting. He's getting back to the book a little bit. On page 39, he, he, he sort of keeps going on about this theme about how we're all in sales and he says, uh, and he's talking about a sixth grade science teacher in Louisiana. Right. And the sixth grade science teacher in Louisiana says, I'm selling my students that the science lesson I'm teaching them is the most interesting thing ever. And I think that, I was talking to a wife about it. So obviously a wife used to be a recruiter and she's a mum of, uh, you know, two girls. And she sort of has to sell good habits to the 14-year-old. Because a 14-year-old daughter's a 14-year-old girl. But actually, my 14 year old daughter's called Honey. And what Honey has now figured out is that mum's selling to Honey. And it's interesting, isn't it, that we are all salespeople, all selling you something? Know, yeah. I really want to go on another cycling trip next year. So I've got to figure out how I'm going to sell that to myself. Well,
1: but that's a long term, that's a strategic sale, isn't it? It is, but that's the they po- They're either strategic sales or they're assumptive closes. Like my April golf trip is an assumptive close. I just walked in the house and said, just so you know, uh, I'm going to Turkey on the 24th of April next year. It's booked and the deposit's paid.
0: Yeah, okay. Assumptive close. Yes, but the point is, in life we sell a lot, don't Whereas we?
1: Whereas you're a family man with two children still in the house, you have to play a longer game than that because you have. it's a bigger sale. It's a more strategic sale. It's more, there's more
0: complicated moving parts <laughs> yeah. to it. Yeah. So I like this graphic on on uh, the start of chapter
1: three. Which is from caveat emptor to caveat vendor is the name. This of one. It. I'm going to hold it up. Ah, oh, the word cloud. Yes. So what he talks about here is they did a survey of what people think of selling.
0: And so it's <laughs> interesting, right? So one of my sports, as you know, is jiu-jitsu. So down jiu-jitsu, there's a computer programmer called Gaz. There's a guy that owns a big construction company called Andy. Yeah. And there's me. I'm definitely a salesperson. You can definitely see that. That's my job.
1: But is Andy not a salesman?
0: I had this conversation with Gaz and Andy, and Andy went, yeah, but I'm a salesperson. And Gaz went, I thought you owned a construction
1: company. And Andy went, yeah, well, Yeah, I've got to get somebody to sign contracts. To, I've got to get to people do to work. do my stuff.
0: And I was saying to Gaz, and Gaz, if you said to Gaz, what do you think of salespeople, he would use those words, even though he's my mate.
1: Well, I'm trying to think of... Let's, let's do a little think for a moment. Because well, so what's interesting so is the, salesperson the hotspot, research, the research it, the worked, book's really well-researched, by re, the way. The, the, the depth of his research and his referencing is, in, you know, well, I, I, I thought last night that I was going to take ages to read the book and I got to 85% and realised the book had finished because 25% of the book is his references.
0: And book recommendations. And book recommendations. It's beautifully written like that. Yeah, it's
1: ace. But I think, and this is the point, is that word cloud shows the disdain people have for the profession of selling.
0: Yes, it does. However, you know, so you go back to Sally that owns a plumbing company. Oh, I've got a bet. There's a, there's a woman called something uh, uh, where I live who owns a roofing company. She's got a massive house and loads of vans that you see all knocking about where I live. If you said to her, salesperson, she'd use these words. Really? Oh, 100%,
1: yeah. 100%. And um, just go through the words, pushy, Slimy, bullying.
0: difficult, dishonest, pushy, sleazy, yuck, hard, manipulative boring, aggressive. they
1: really the things people think about salespeople?
0: I've never, I've not asked her, but I've spoke to her quite a few because we sort of knock about in the same circles. She would use those words. Yet she owns a roofing company that's got five vans that presumably employs five to ten people. What is she out doing? I said to her, do you go on many roofs anymore? She went, no, nah, I'm just seeing clients now. And that's what people don't see. And that's sort of what he's alluding to actually going, you all think that are salespeople, but you've got your own business, you're a salesperson.
1: You're in sales.
0: You're in sales. So what do people think of you? Was, and it's it's interesting with LinkedIn, isn't it? Quite often, well, very rarely will somebody put for their job title, new business salesperson. Candidates don't well, do we that. We talk
1: about this a lot, don't we, about identity.
0: Yeah. Now, why do the candidates do that? Actually, they identify as salespeople, I think, but they don't want to frighten off.
1: Mike, we've done however many episodes of this bloody podcast. I think we're 160 in. How many times have I said... The good ones identify comfortably as salespeople. The bad ones always don't.
0: Completely agree with that. But taking that a step further, how many people are comfortable to say to their prospect, I'm a salesperson, I'm here to talk to you about how we can help you? Yeah. Not many, I don't think, but the best ones will.
1: The best ones will say, it's my hope that you'll buy something off me. But if it's not right for you, you probably might not. But I am going to try and sell it to you if it is. Yes, 100%. And I, and I will try and be And persuasive. if somebody said
0: that, do you think they would be... They would be perceived to be difficult, dishonest, pushy, sleazy. No,
1: actually, and this is the irony, isn't it? The ones that are difficult, pushy, and sleazy are the ones who don't identify as salespeople. Correct. So they try and find an, a, a, a an alternate route with which to persuade, rather than being clear about the fact that they're in the business of persuasion.
0: I was talking to somebody that I know, and in, in the IT industry, that's
1: when they—that's when a salesman becomes sleazy. I'm not a salesman. That's sleazy. Yeah, that Comple- completely agree. Fucking sleazy, horrible. Yes, completely agree. That whole obfuscation of being a salesperson, ironically, is what makes salespeople slimy, dirty.
0: Whereas the ones
1: who, yeah, I'm coming out in hives just thinking about it.
0: Completely agree. Well, there's a, it, it gives a good example of this car salesperson
1: used car sales. Joe,
0: Joe Girard at Morales Chevrolet <laughs> evidently he just phones people out of the book and he goes uh,
1: hold on a minute he phones people oh, I love that yeah out of this the is, phone book I wrote that I the, loved that
0: this is how he gets his leads though he phones up and he goes I just wanted to let you know that your order's ready I tell her now remember this is a cold call She's never heard from him. And Basically, she goes, but I've not ordered a Chevrolet. What? And then he just engages her in conversation and turns her into a lead. But that's proper salesmanship. Is it, though? Because it's lying.
1: It is lying. But how many times, Mike, uh, it made me remember something I like to do sometimes, is when you ring a wrong number, it, remember, if you ring in a wrong number, in our database, often that wrong number will belong now to another sales. Oh, it person. belongs
0: to another salesperson, yeah, 100%.
1: Or another sales Yeah, leader. but
0: you've not done that on purpose. This guy, Joe yeah, Girard, yeah, 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 is doing yeah, yeah. it on purpose.
1: If I ever ring a wrong number, I never just back out. Oh, sorry, wrong number. I never do that. No, I don't. Not if I'm canvassing. No. Because I'll go, who are you? 100%. Oh, well, I'm so-and-so. Where do you work? I work at... The... Oh, right, okay. Well, whilst I've got you on the blower.
0: 100% agree. But you're not doing what Joe Girard and you does. you always
1: get a laugh out of people because they're like, fucking hell, you're so cheeky. And it always makes me chuckle because I think that's proper canvassing. Just ringing a random wrong number, but Joe Girona or whatever his name is. Yeah, it's a bit dirty in it, lying. Yes, opening with a lie is a bad way to start.
0: But interesting on the on the topic of car sales. So Johnny, you know I always get good deals when I buy cars.
1: Yeah, you're good at buying cars. If I had to go and buy a used car tomorrow,
0: I like for, for my second car. I like to buy a two or three year old used car.
1: If I had to buy a used car tomorrow, I'd insist you came out shopping for cars. Do you know, do you
0: know you? What my trick is right? I go I go into the uh, car sales thing. I just mill you around. You Never
1: buy a dog either.
0: Touch wood. I go I, and I mill around and I look and see uh, where the whiteboard is with the salespeople, and I pick the bottom person, and I go, "Oh, Johnny's bottom." So then I go to the counter and go, "I was in last week talking to Johnny about a car. Is he around?" Johnny runs up, goes, "Yes, hello, I'm here." Hello, hello. But, but I know Johnny is going to lie to me, and I'll go, "Johnny, remember the conversation we had?" And Johnny goes, "Yeah, yeah, definitely." And I'm sitting there thinking, "Well, playing ourselves at our own game because I know you bought the leaderboard. I know it's last day of the month." You're done for. (laughs) But I think, my point is, I think a lot of the professional buyers who work for the £29 million company who um, sponsors Leeds Rhinos, they sort of use that uh, falseness against the salesperson. Whereas, actually, if you walk in, if Johnny ran out and and went, actually, Mike, I I don't think I've ever spoken to you. I'm stuffed, then, are I? Well,
1: he's nailed you, yeah. He's nailed you. Ironically, he's completely nailed you. I'm done for. Well, then they talk about another car, they talk about a different car showroom, don't they? Yeah, it's they?
0: a lady that sets one up and she, uh, Where what's it's her name? all
1: based on honesty and integrity. That's it,
0: Tammy Darvish. Yeah. He says, when when Gerard was selling Chev- Chevys in Detroit, Darvish was in primary school. Now she's vice president of Dar Cars Automotive Group, one of the largest auto dealers on the East Coast. And basically, it just goes on, saying now they don't have commission salespeople and stuff like that, and she's honest. But we've got that over here. The car shop is very like that. If you, ever go, if you ever go and buy a shop from the car shop, the first thing they tell you is we're not on commission. And you walk around the yard – I've not been for years, but I remember buying a car from there years ago – and you walk around the yard, and there's salespeople just wandering around.
1: But that's proper naked selling, isn't it? Going Referring to our previous book. Yeah, it's That's cool. proper naked selling. They've understood the customer. Somebody sat down and said, okay, let's design engineer a car showroom, a car retail experience – Let's look at it and go, actually, what's the experience of the customer? And people have realised the, ex- the customer experience is they get frightened to walk into a car showroom, particularly young females.
0: Well, imagine Izzy going into a car showroom, even though a yeah, mum and dad and are both salespeople. Yeah,
1: me and Gillian were abducted by aliens next week and Izzy had to go and buy a car.
0: She'd just be, be overwhelmed terrifying. by that. It'd
1: be terrifying for a 21 years old. Yeah. It'd be awful.
0: So she'd probably go to the car shop where there were no salespeople.
1: Yeah, she would. And she'd want. she'd almost certainly want to talk to another girl.
0: Yeah, which you can understand.
1: Yeah. And she'd be worried. She'd be thinking, oh, Christ, I'm about to go and spend £9,000. I'm going to look like or... a tool
0: because I don't know anything about cars. Yeah. She didn't know anything about cars. Does All she? What she
1: cares about is, is there, has he got a nice radio <gasps> so I can sing along?
0: Interestingly. So, this is just going back to the whole information piece. It makes a great point here. He says, take travel. In the old days, that is 15 years ago, travel agents maintained an information monopoly that allowed the unscrupulous ones to overcharge and mistreat their customers. So in autumn, what ne- page do you on here now? Fifty seven. Okay. So in autumn next year, one of the price plans is we're going to sort of almost interrail across Europe. Nice. So so go from the the the, the top down to the south, and you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to say approximately what routes I want, and I'm going to chuck it into Chat GPT like that other man did, and say design me a route from X to Y, and it'll do it. Now, twenty years ago. Yeah, no, five years ago,
1: you'd have paid a you'd have paid a big. I'd have value, paid a travel in inverted planner. Inverted commas, value added premium.
0: Yeah, but now all that information is all out there, and I've got Chat GP as an we're AI thinking, tool. Well,
1: it's our twentieth wedding anniversary next year, and we're thinking of doing a a, a driving trip across America.
0: See, I've done that. I you'd booked have, that for my wedding you'd nightmare. Have,
1: you'd have sat and planned it for ages. Oh, uh, we did. Yeah, we did. It took ages. You won't need to plan that meticulously now. No, and chuck you it into ChatGPT. Someone else to do it. Chuck it into ChatGPT. And what we're seeing, and I think what you're you're pointing out at the start of the show is the acceleration with which that's happening. Well, put ChatGPT on top of
0: the internet, on top of price comparison sites. Just those to. three things together,
1: and that's only a matter of time. That's only a matter of months. You can do it almost now. With some plugins well, we met that, that
0: tech developer didn't we who planned this trip around Portugal using yeah. ChatGPT.
1: Planned the whole holiday.
0: So what does that actually mean if you take that and put it into the world of sales? Let's say you're, I don't know, some company and you've got to buy, you've got four offices, you've got to have a wide area network, you've got a local area network, you've got some Microsoft licenses an Oracle well, database how about whatever. This?
1: Think of it this way. I'm amt autos or whatever they're called that just sponsored headingly and we're in the market for a cloud solution and i've got four partners in i've got cloud coco and a couple of others in, in local players in the market haven't i yeah yeah i've got them all in and i get into chat gpt and i and let's just say and this is only months away when you can go deep into the web i say hey chat gpt i want a detailed analysis of each of these suppliers I want their financials. Correct. I want to. I want an analysis of the people that work there, how long the people have worked there. I want, I an want analis- reviews from past clients. Yeah, I want reviews from past clients, and I want you to let me know which is the strongest.
0: Completely agree.
1: Do I really need to meet the salesman? Completely agree. And I that- want you to crawl LinkedIn, because it's only a matter of time before somebody creates a plugin that can crawl LinkedIn, Mike. 100% agree, yeah. So I want you to look at every every member of staff. How long has each member of staff been there? What's the average tenure of the staff there? Uh, how many staff have they actually got versus how many they've told me they've got? How many of those staff are? How many people that are they engaged with are actually freelancers and contractors? So duh, if I was duh, 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 so duh, duh, if I was duh, duh, a
0: salesperson listening to this now, I'd thinking, "Oh my god, where's my career going?" and I see what the salespeople need to do they need to think about their skills now.
1: Oh yeah. Real if you're skills. just relying
0: on a bit of the old, uh, I can just hide it away. Hey, Billy, you are done for. You're done for. I think. Well, I, I think the skills will. I actually think the skills will be around empathy and understanding, and listening.
1: Next level, and he talks about that later. Yeah, in the he book. does. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah? I think the skills will be around next level empathy, next level understanding, next level listening. But actually, I think the skills that will always, and I, and I truly believe this, the one skill organisations will always pay for, more than anything else, will be the ability to get involved in a conversation with a client and open a door.
0: Completely agree with that. You're absolutely right. Yeah.
1: Because people will not engage with what they realise is an artificially intelligent approach. They'll just piss, get pissed off with it very quickly.
0: Well, isn't it interesting? So I wrote, as you know, I sent 25 handwritten letters. Yep. I got eight replies.
1: That's a mental response rate. It's just mental. It's mad. It's that, a isn't it? 30% response and rate. And
0: that it wasn't email opened by spam filter. It was all right, Mike, got your letter fair play. Yeah. No, I didn't get any briefs out of it, to be clear. But have I got have I got eight conversations now that I can grow like a little plant? You've
1: eight little relationships that you can nurture. Yeah. And then at some point, you you've got to bring some value to those relationships. Correct.
0: Well, we, we might send a bit of content, maybe that's not written by ChatGPT. Correct. And post on LinkedIn. It might just be real, authentic content that we that we've spoken and about.
1: That, that's a, another really interesting word is authenticity. It's, so uh, it's a whole
0: debate. Authenticity. It's so overused, and it and
1: it people just don't. They're not, they're not authentic. These people. Well, look at that app we've been talking about, Clay. Yes. I get a column. I can I can go on a, an exhibition well, website. Well, you,
0: you can build a prospect data data list in five minutes. It's really good.
1: I can build a prospect data list in five minutes. The bit I didn't show you on Friday is I can ask it to write personalized emails based on the LinkedIn profiles of each of the contacts that I've scraped using Chat GPT. And information about the company, so you can say to so you can say you put a column saying using that input which is name of the company, that input which is the website of the company, and I want you to look on the website, that input which is the LinkedIn profile of the company, and that input which is the LinkedIn profile of the contact. Write and write an introductory email based now, on the following criteria.
0: No, I think it's brilliant, hundred percent.
1: That's great, but I've got to tell you, I've tried it, and there's just something a little bit plastic about them.
0: Well, what's going to work better, that or my, my or letter your and a cold call? your
1: handwritten letter and your with cold
0: call. With my crappy handwriting.
1: Your handwritten letter, your cold call, and the pack of hobnobs you sent because you read a LinkedIn prof post exactly that was six months old where the guy said, the day always starts with a pack of hobnobs. Completely agree. And the guy goes, fair play, you've done your own work, ca- you care.
0: So we're on chapter four now. We need to rock on through this book a little bit. It's, I'm stunned. It sparked I'm a lot of debate. stunned
1: that we've got this much to talk about on this book. So, chapter four, attun- attunement. And he talks about the new ABC of, of sales, yeah, rather than always be closing. He talks about attunement, buoyancy, and clarity.
0: I is it is good, actually, which I, I, I've put, having read this chapter, is at the end of the chapters now... He
1: does a nice summary with practical... a sample case. He should start with the sample case. It's brilliant, the sample he case. He should start with the sample case to challenge people to, to do the work. Yeah, I actually did one of the personality tests.
0: Oh, I didn't do any of them. Which one?
1: Oh, the positivity one. I came out really grumpy. But it was late, <laughs> at, it, it was late at night and I was tired. And I can be a bit grumpy sometimes. Go
0: on, go on then, Johnny. What's attunement?
1: So he's talking about getting into the customer's world. And he talks about different bits, about empathy, sympathy, listening, doesn't he?
0: It gives you a lot of good stats. So the empathizers struck many more deals than the control group. What's interesting about this, I think it's this chapter, I'm sure uh, uh, we'll come back to mimicking, is he said something like the empathizers closed more business, but the empath- empathizers sales price was always lower.
1: Interesting that, isn't it? Well, he doesn't say empathy is the way forward, does he? No. He says, listening like you care. He yeah. makes a big distinction between having deep empathy and listening like you care.
0: He also talked about introverts and extroverts and compared them in terms of who sells the most. He said it was very, very similar. Well, no,
1: I was really that was a very interesting point. Was he, he talks about uh, how there's the natural assumption that extroverts are always great salespeople?
0: Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah,
1: and then he, he, there's a really interesting quote. Um, where is it? Here you go. I've got it in my highlights extroverts make the best salespeople the reasons are clear from the very textbook definition of this personality type individuals hire an extroversion are characterized as sociable assertive lively and sensation seeking. Moving others requires interacting with others and social situations which can drain the energy of introverts is something extroverts relish. Extroverts' comfort with other people also means they don't shrink from making requests and such assertiveness helps. Whether you're convincing a prospective client to hire your public relations firm or asking a stranger to switch seats on a train, extroverts are friendly and gregarious, which means they're more likely to strike up the lively conversations that lead to relationships and ultimately perhaps to sales." Finally, extroverts by their very nature seek stimulation and the energy and enthusiasm that bubble up can be infectious, not to mention conducive to many forms of influence and persuasion. Sociable, assertive, lively and sensation-seeking. It's the ideal profile for moving others. And actually, he then goes on to point out there's almost zero evidence that that is actually true. (laughs) But how many clients want to hire that?
0: How many clients fall for good-looking man-woman Who's
1: really friendly and up for life and got a bit of mongrel. But that but that goes back to the type of sale, doesn't it? Does it? Yes. And this is a point that he's made that we talked about earlier, which is the level at which the customer can solve their own problems gets yeah, higher get and higher and higher. And therefore, actually, salespeople at those lower levels and organisations that have some... And again, I made that distinction earlier on between the things that people buy and the things that people get sold. Mm, Yeah, yeah. And what's happening is that a lot of the things that people used to get sold are now things that people buy and therefore your only differentiator is sending a smoking hot looking girl. Yeah. Recruitment, industrial recruitment is a prime example, isn't it? Yes. If you go on LinkedIn and look for industrial recruiters, they're either... Big, rough ass lads that get on with big, rough ass lads.
0: That can walk onto the site.
1: That can walk onto the site and be one at boys. Or they are absolutely smoking-looking girls. And there's not a lot of I them I mean, between. it's a controversial thing. And I could get to... absolutely crushed for this. Because
0: somebody's going to say, prove it, but, but that, search yourself on LinkedIn.
1: And there are other products. Because those organisations are running out of differentiables yeah. because the customers can do it themselves industrial recruitment do I really need a recruiter do i really construction recruitment do i really need a recruiter to put bodies on a site
0: well they only use that for cash flow actually
1: yeah do i really need a recruiter for that probably not somebody'll just disrupt that market because there's no real
0: somebody the, the embedded finance market will disrupt just disrupt that yeah. market
1: and so therefore you're getting this right let's hire a bright bubbly girl and they go out and hire a bright bubbly pretty girl because they know oh here she comes girl from agency yeah 100 what was my, my wife was what was that my what girl. was my wife my wife was that girl what was my
0: wife Age 23 yeah
1: my wife was doing it when she was 17 driving picking fellas up in a minibus in featherstone and driving them on site, making sure they got to work in the My morning. My wife
0: did temps and perms in Bradford in factories.
1: Yeah. Driving fellas to site in the morning. And But why did she get that job? Because she was a pretty girl when she was 17. She's still beautiful now, obviously. Obviously. Ambiverts.
0: Yeah, ambiverts. I would have said I was an ambivert, actually. Yeah, I think that's a good call. i tell you what the ambivert does. I think the ambivert just, just generally is more genuine, aren't they? Buy it, don't buy it, I don't care. Just make the yeah. right decision.
1: Neither introvert nor extrovert.
0: So one thing I did I did underline actually, I thought which I thought was Ace's uh when Bezos has a meeting, Jeff Bezos.
1: He has an empty chair. Yeah, he leaves an empty chair.
0: And who's it, who sits in the empty chair? The customer.
1: I thought that was Ace. It's a great thought. Very good design engineering thought. Don't know it if it's true, always, but always thinking about the customer. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So next one buoyancy. I've got to say, at this point, I'm getting a bit bored of his preamble in the chapters.
1: Do you know what's really interesting is, the way the book is written is dated.
0: Yeah, that, yes, the way the book's written is very and dated, what's really
1: yeah. interesting is how our brains have been rewired to want to know the information more quickly. I want the juice now. I, I want... think I think that's the, 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 the World Wide Web, mobile phones, we've been rewired that's to... That's Amazon,
0: want... isn't it? I want to buy it now.
1: Now, tell me now, what is the point of your book?
0: I agree. I, I'm very like that, and I did find the first few pages of each chapter very it, it boring. It takes
1: w- w- with fiction now. It takes a lot to get me to keep reading because I'm a bit like, "Hold on a minute, you're just waffling." I'm going to go on Blinkist and just get get the get the headlines.
0: Yes, but it's mad that you can, but you will.
1: Isn't that nuts? And and I've found myself with a few key pieces of nonfiction writing, particularly this sort of nonfiction, where I'm just like, right, you're, you 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 just. Gab, gabbing on. I'm just going to go on Blinkist and get a summary. Yeah. 15, Fifteen minutes later, I know what I need to oh, know. Wh- on Wednesday morning. oh God. And you're like, what? Yeah. And I think that we've been reprogrammed since he wrote this book. We have you. Yeah. Actually, we've been like well, what, our brains well, are reprogrammed. 30? Oh yeah.
0: I can. Un- if you're thirty, I- you're not going to read that. I used to
1: not be able to understand why people weren't reading. I used to think, why don't you read? Now I get it. I get it now. Why people don't read.
0: Completely, because it's just not what we do. We want instant information right now.
1: I I often think, I look at a book and think, I wish I could just download it into my head. Yes. It's a lot of effort. Can't you just download the information into my brain?
0: Completely agree. Anyway, buoyancy.
1: Buoyancy, I can't actually remember what this is. This is just about how hard you are, isn't it? Is that what it is? Yeah, so he talks about the fuller brush sales guy. Um, uh, And he talks about the whole thing of, He's chipping away at the job, and he gets rejected constantly, and he's always getting knocked back. But he sort of hangs in there. But he said he's not at the same time Pollyanna positive, and sometimes he allows himself to get despondent. But he, the way he rationalizes it away is really—he he has so, like for example, okay, well, guy's busy. Pfft, he's busy.
0: I thought it had an interesting bit on positivity and the effect it has on negotiation. Evidently you're twice as likely if you if you're a positive person to get the outcome that you want.
1: Which is amazing, isn't it? I mean I wrote here interesting thing this. I said the thing is, there's much harder things to do than dialing out and that oh, God, yeah. and that I think perspective really matters.
0: Yes, do you know what's good for perspective is charity.
1: Yeah. You're gonna you retake
0: mean. up Samaritans. Yeah, I'm
1: going back in January.
0: I'd done Samaritans and at night, we w- have oh, got to make some cold calls, and then you do some others. You think, "Yeah, I'll go make some cold calls." Perfectly happy with that.
1: It's not even that for me anymore. I just think it's I, just part of the job. It, it's more about actually. It's easier I, than I, driving a tractor. I've got very into my gratitude journaling in the morning. Okay, and I do my gratitude and I look at all the shit I've got in my life. Yeah, you got a lot of stuff, and, I, and I, but it's not just stuff. It's it's bigger than stuff. I know, Yes, I, I look I, at the life I lead. And I think, all right, so uh, I've got to make some cold calls today to continue to live absolutely this ludicrously great life. Completely agree with you. Yeah, all right, bring it on. And I I just don't mind. And I think a lot of that is an element of perspective. Completely agree. Whereas I hear people, I get paid too much. You and I both have a real pet peeve with the Uh, I think I'm a bit paid too much to make a cold call. I'm a bit expensive
0: for cold calling. That's why we're talking to each other.
1: Yeah, that's why you're on the phone with me right now.
0: Because you believe ex- that. Because
1: you think you're too expensive to call. Well,
0: there's a top sales guy who you know, you're a lot better than I do, who says he takes two or three days to handwrite one letter to a client. Yeah. How good is he?
1: He's earned a lot of money over the years.
0: He's like one of the best salespeople in the IT market, full stop.
1: Yeah. He's a top, top, top guy. But, but he, he my, doesn't
0: my care. Fa- one of my favourite uh, contacts who you know uh, I got to talk to her about where she is currently. When she first joined, she said they were losing a sale. And she said, the salesperson was just letting it slip through the fingers. I said, what did you do? She went, I phoned the salesperson. I phoned the client myself and decided I'd go and meet them. She didn't need to do that.
1: No. It's just a mindset thing, isn't it?
0: They thought this was interesting. He was talking about positivity has one other important dimension when it comes to moving others. You have to believe in the product you're selling, and that has to show. That's really interesting. You have to believe in the product you're selling. Do you? I think I, I I certainly think it's a thread of commonality with lots of the good people that we meet.
1: So, here's a question for you, Mike. Yep. You get these candidates, and I've been doing a lot of thinking about this recently about people who move jobs a lot, um, and why, and what what's happening for them that makes them move jobs a lot. Actually, I think a lot of those people that move jobs, a lot of them, it's because they're courageous and they they don't flog dead horses. And I think that we do them down. The ones that actually don't flog dead horses is why they move. Then I also look at the ones that stay in jobs for a very, very, very long time, and actually often that's because they don't create kill criteria. But let's just go back to the ones that move around a lot, right? Okay. It's a little bit like there's a player called Nene McDonald, who played for Leeds last year. Nene's class, qu- okay. quality player, but he's gone. End of his first year, gone. Off to Salford, right? Year before he was at somewhere else, Lee. Year before that, he was at Cronulla. Year before that, he was at Brisbane. But every club he plays for, he's dreamed of playing for since he was a boy.
0: <laughs> I like that. He's-
1: <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They're all like it, aren't they? They're journeymen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always wanted to play. I've always wanted to play for Cronulla. Yeah, whatever, mate. You journeyman, you're a journeyman baller, right? And the sales guys do it. Can you really kiss the badge? Proper, you know, like proper badge kiss, as I call them, and believe in a product. Yeah. Oh, do you know? I've spent the last three years hoping I could come here and sell uh, SAS product X and really believe in it.
0: I don't know. I think it's a generational thing. Actually, well, we're going to get they, all can- ages again. I think a lot of the sub-30s want to work for companies with you, you, that they really, truly believe.
1: That they believe in. Mm. Well, we've got that client that does that stuff in housing. I've got to tell you, everybody believes in that. Their, that, or, that organisational belief in their And that'll be one their of mission. their
0: hiring criteria, is somebody that's going to come and kiss the badge. Not to kiss the ass, but to kiss the badge. Kiss the badge,
1: the badge yeah. Uh, kiss the badge and believe in the mission. Mm. And they, well, you know, let's get it right. Technologically, their mission is very noble. It, it's a no, it's a tech, it's technology aimed at making a difference. And somebody's going to get very rich out of having, yeah, made that yeah. Difference. That's the
0: that's the primary driver, isn't it? Well,
1: oh, it's l- a great piece of design. I know I've mentioned it a few times, but it's a great piece of design, engineering, and design thinking. Which is has sat down and gone, "What does this market really need?" And then they've come up with a mission that is incredibly attuned to the pain of the market. And I get that. And therefore, people will join that company and really believe in it. But if you're Salesman X working in the reseller channel and you go from...
0: You give them computer centers to SCC.
1: Oh, I've always wanted to work for SCC. I really believe in SCC. Uh, that's Put that on the camera. badge kissing.
0: That's why it's disingenuous <laughs> with the client, isn't it? Uh, the, I think it's got to be, hasn't it?
1: Do you really believe
0: in it? Don't they just sell the same thing, SCC and Computer Centre?
1: They all sell the same shit.
0: That's why I don't really like the VAR channel. That's
1: why we don't enjoy working in it that much.
0: There's two there's two or three VARs I like, but very few.
1: So, yeah, that I, I'm not sure I buy that comment about belief.
0: Okay, so next we're on to uh, the chapter Clarity. I put here a really badly named chapter, but I really liked this chapter.
1: Go on, tell me about this chapter. Remind me what it's all about.
0: Well, I think one of the first things they were talking about is is problem finders are more successful. So this
1: problem solvers. Yes. Yeah. And that really ties
0: into a lot of the conversation we've been having about where salespeople add value. Mm. So let's say. You know, um, whoever your company is, JMT Cars or whatever they are, they want to buy some cloud hosting stuff. Yeah, and you've got standard Yorkshire lineup, Concord Informatics. Are they still around? Who knows? I wonder. Who knows? <laughs> Terry Locker, he was a nice man. I'm going back 20 years, but anyway, so you've got Concord and Cloud Coco and BCN. I think they're in Leeds, aren't they? Are they? I think I think so. And and um, they they, they all. They're all pitching the same stuff and pinching on price and something else. And then somebody else that co- will come completely out of the woodwork and go, I just don't get why you're doing that. I've got a better idea. What do you reckon?
1: Well, it's not even they're that. They're the ones that are going to win the it's sale. It's actually about letting the customer find, helping the customer find a problem they didn't know they had.
0: Yeah. And I don't think many salespeople have got the skill and are under too much pressure to take the time to do that.
1: Well, but I think we've de skilled the salespeople from that.
0: We haven't de-skilled it. The market's de-skilled the salespeople. Well, well
1: the, fi- the, the pressures that this guy says the world is exerting on the profession well, imagine. has de-skilled it. And also the fact that we can touch so many more people at scale. You know, I'll t- tell you an interesting thing is when we started in recruitment, we used to interview every single candidate face-to-face in a meeting room.
0: For an hour? And then spend an hour writing up our notes. This is 2000, year 2000. This is
1: 97, 98, 99, 2000. If I interviewed a candidate, I would spend an hour interviewing them face-to-face in an interview room. And my God, I would interview them. They'd get absolutely dug into. There wouldn't be anything I didn't know about them at the end of that meeting. Then I would go upstairs and I'd spend an hour writing up the notes. Yep. Fast forward to 2023...
0: If you did that, you wouldn't ever place anybody because you'd lose.
1: You'd lose horrific. It wouldn't even be horrific. It'd be beyond horrific.
0: The kids on computers would beat you.
1: Because actually nobody else in the market is doing it and everybody else is engaging with 10 candidates a day, not 10 candidates a week. And the engagement they have with those candidates, hi, send me your CV. Yeah, great. I'll keep an eye on the market. That's the detail at which my competition now go. Correct. In their engagement. Now, that won't be only happening in recruitment, will it? That will be not. happening in every product that's sold and every service that's sold in every sales environment is that the acceleration that we now face means that nobody's really got time to get to know anybody. Think about it. Tinder, nobody really gets to know. They don't even date properly anymore. No, they don't. Uh, our human interactions are wildly accelerated. And the curve's act-
0: going to increase.
1: And the curve will get faster and faster Honey and price? Faster
0: has 100, 100 conversations a day on Snapchat with 100 oh, yeah. different people. None of them are rich or anything.
1: Just just fast interactions. And you know what? She'll critical. be
0: in the market in seven years.
1: In the job market.
0: Doing something.
1: And the way that they interact, the, just the way their brains are now wired. And so that ability to get a customer to spend that much time with you to the point at which you can go, do you know what, Mr. Customer, I think you've got a problem here you haven't quite seen. That's going to be the new art, is actually getting a customer to give you that face time
0: to a point
1: where you can get into that conversation. And that comes back to the book we did, Naked Sales, which and it comes back to that personalised nature of selling, which is, can you do something that makes customer go, hold on a minute, I want to spend time with you.
0: Completely agree. I think a lot of that is coming from your outreach as well. Correct. I think that I think that drives it because in these handwritten letters, I put I put at the bottom of these that I sent out. I said, and just to prove a point, you've actually read to the bottom of this letter. Imagine if there are a hundred candidates, how much more effective I am than any other recruiter. So you've written. Yeah. Like that. It's cool. It's right, though, isn't it? Yeah, you've read to the bottom of this letter. Imagine if I could do that with candidates in your market.
1: I the can. ones that you, the, the ones that you never get to meet.
0: So here he talks about framing, quite like framing. He uses this example. God, I don't know. How to go on, this guy. But basically, there's a marketing exec walking across a park, and there's a there's there's somebody there who's begging. I don't think we call them beggars anymore, but anyway, um, and he's got a sign in front of him that says, "I am blind." The ma- one marketing exec says to the other, "I reckon actually, um, I can I can help that dude out and 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 help him raise lots." Lots of money. I've just got to add some words to his sign. The signs he added were, It is springtime and I am blind. And his point was how he framed it. The guy, the homeless guy, went from, I am blind with a sign to, It is springtime and I am blind.
1: And it like completely changed his turnover, didn't it?
0: Completely like tripled his turnover. Yeah. And that is a good example of what he's talking about with framing. That's it. He's talking about h- how you position it. And then he goes, the less frame. Everybody loves choices.
1: I'll tell you the, the, something I, I liked here, page one three six. Research has shown that people derive much greater satisfaction from purchasing experiences than they do from purchasing oh, circled goods. Circled that one hundred percent. Loved that. When Leif Van Boven of the University of Colorado at Boulder and Thomas Gilovich of Cornell surveyed Americans and Canadians and asked them to reflect on what they'd bought recently, respondents overwhelmingly reported that experiential purchases made them happier. He said, as a result, framing a sale in experiential terms is more likely to lead to satisfied customers and repeat business. So if you're selling a car, go easy on emphasising the rich Corinthian leather on the seats. Instead, point out what the car will allow the buyer to do. See new places, visit old friends and add, add a book of memories. I thought that was incredibly important. And I wrote, hmm, I like that and I will use that. We should consider that with our new offering. I think we need to think about that from an experiential point of view. It actually, I think we exper- covered a bit of that in the branding yeah, session. Yeah, we did, we did. Accidentally, the, really. Yeah, the experience rather than it does that.
0: We talked about the experience of what they're not having to experience.
1: Yeah. Um, and the other one Al really liked in this section, he said, researchers tested two different Facebook ads for the same comedian. Half the ad said the comedian Kevin Shea could be the next big thing. The other half said he is the next big thing. The first ad generated loads more click-throughs than the second. That's amazing, isn't it? Yes, the potential to be good at something can be preferred over actually being good. But think about that. thats just the little linguistic shift, isn't it? Our solution yes. might be the next big thing in the market. As opposed to, we think our solution's the best in the market. Wh- is going to get you better responses. What the hell? But
0: you can see why, though,
1: can't yeah, you? Yeah, because it's created intrigue. Might, yeah. be the, might
0: be the next hot shit thing. Everybody wants to be part of the next big wave, don't they?
1: As opposed to, yeah, it's the next hot shit thing. Yeah, whatever. Everybody says it's the next hot shit thing. You're saying you might be. I'll tell you what. I'm just going to explore that. That's nuts, isn't it?
0: I actually want to stop this and write that down in my notebook.
1: Well, we've written it down. (laughs) That's cool. It's really good, that. You'll use that. That's a good takeaway from the book.
0: Yeah. I might be a better recruiter than the one you're using.
1: Yes. And there there was another one that I really liked, which was... um, Like a scale frame where he's talking about getting kids to study. Question one, on a scale of one to 10, with one meaning not the least bit ready and 10 meaning totally ready, how ready are you to study? After she offers her answer, move to question two. Why didn't you pick a lower number? So basically he's trying to get the kids to study. And the kid says, I'm four out of 10. Why didn't you say three? And the kid says, because of X, Y, Z, A, B, C. Oh, right. And the kids just sold it to themselves that they're ready to go and do some homework. Cool. It's smart. There's some good stuff in this book. That's really clever, isn't it? I'll use that.
0: Yeah, honey, you'll see through it.
1: Do you reckon? Yeah. She'll know that you're coming out with some clever sales strategy.
0: Yeah, she knows that already.
1: Okay. And then we're on pitch. Chapter seven.
0: I thought this was Ace, the one-word pitch.
1: Go on, tell me about that.
0: So, uh, the one-word pitch derives in part from Maurice Sanchi and his brother Charles, who founded the Mm -hmm. advertising agent, Satchi had been touting what he called one-word equity. He argues that a world populated with digital natives, those under 30 who scarcely remember life without the internet, had intensified the battle for attention in ways no one fully comprehended. Nowadays, skip the load, nowadays only a brutally simple idea gets through. So he's said... You should be able to describe your brand in one word. Wow. So you think to yourself, yeah, can't do that.
1: Recruitment reimagined.
0: Two words. He said that's not good enough.
1: Are we not allowed?
0: He says that's not good enough. So what technology company do you think of when you hear the word search? Google. That's smart though, isn't it? Uh But he makes a great point. Google have described themselves with one word. Search. Two words is too many. And I've really, since I read that, I've been driving along thinking, oh
1: God. One word. One word. All right. That's what we've got to do then, isn't it?
0: But he's right in the digital, because that's what you're talking about. Information overload. Two words is too many. The rhyming pitch. Talks about pitching. The rhyming pitch.
1: Yeah, I like that. Question pitch. Are you better off now than you were four years ago? Would have prompted people to think more deeply. Oh, Leading... that was
0: Reagan or someone, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. So rather than making a pitch, you ask a question. Yeah. How happy are you with your current whatever? What's your life like? What's your life as a...
0: Could your ERP system be better? Yeah. They're always going to say yes, because everyone is going to say yes to everything.
1: Yeah. Subject line pitch. I really like that. They give some really interesting... But I wonder how dated that is about things that you can put in a subject line of an email. Don't know. And then the story pitch, which was based on the Pixar Disney Pixar pitch. Yes, where there's a format apparently you have to use to pitch something at Pixar. It's cool, that isn't it? So they've got like here an example. Once upon a time, there was a widowed fish named Marlin who was extremely protective of his only son Nemo. Every day, Marlin warned Nemo of the ocean's dangers and implored him not to swim far away. One day, in an act of defiance, Nemo ignores his. And I love that how there's like a format that they use in Disney and it has to fit. There's some really
0: cool stuff in this book.
1: Yeah, I think so. And then he talks very interestingly. We get into improvise. A lot of that is about listening. Yes, which we've talked about. Now, actually, I found a couple of books on listening. I think we'll cover them.
0: Good. I'd like I to think do the that. The next book. book well, i put I'll on be. here. He, he on page one hundred ninety. Is anyone taught how to listen?
1: Not really. very few. Very few people.
0: I mean, this word "active listening." Oh my god, it gets overused. Two ears, one mouth. Oh my God, it gets overused.
1: Most people just don't do that. No, they don't. Most people don't even do something like a reflection.
0: I'm sure they don't. I agree with
1: you. So I've done it yesterday with this, with a client, this Italian guy. They sell this product, right? Uh, it's like e-learning. But do you
0: know, I used to be married to an Italian woman. You did? yeah. She left me down feeling kind of
1: lonely. <laughs> That's quality pricing. That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, it's quality. So, yeah, I talked to this client yesterday, and they sell this product. And the product they sell, they don't sell to the customer. Basically, they get pharmaceutical companies to sponsor the procurement of what they do to give to medical environments. Right. So it's a pretty complex sale, that, and I just didn't understand it. And I I said to him, okay, let's just stop a minute. This is what I think happens here. What you want is somebody who is going to go to the pharma companies. The pharma companies pay you for your product, and they then give that to the hospitals. He went, yeah. And I said, right, I've got it now. And he went, yeah, you really have. And I was losing him until I reflected. He was on his way out. He, I could see he was leaving the call. I think because I think he was sat thinking this guy don't get what we do.
0: It's interesting that because when I take a brief, I always summarise because they'll give you lots of information. Yeah, I want something that was warehouse management, supply chain, whatever. You take all these notes. And then at, at the end of it, as I'm getting close there, go, Can I recite back to you what I think you've told me you're looking Correct. for? But L- that's literally listening. you've got them, you've got them. You bef- own the and I'm not doing it to own them. I'm doing it to make sure I understand it.
1: But it's proper listening. But people want to be understood. And not a lot of people. I don't think many people do that. I think that's a lost art. Uh, I just um, a simple reflection of right. Let me just go over my notes and what I've written down here. Just want to make sure I've understood it.
0: Well, imagine if you phoned up to complain, and you r- you ranted off rages.
1: And then the person, and then someone went,
0: "Can I just make sure I've understood your complaint, Mister Graham?" Correct. This is what you think happened. This is what you think should have happened. What, what happens to your general. Uh,
1: they just calmed you down. Yeah. Instantly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's where I'm at.
0: Right. And what you think should happen is this. Is that correct? And then they turn and go, Well, I'm really sorry, but we can't get there, but we can get here.
1: But here's the frightening thing, Mike. ChatGPT will do that.
0: Our interviewing bot does that.
1: Our interview bot does that better than a human does it. it
0: I, I've seen it. It's better than a human. It
1: does it better than a Let's human. Let's get it right, does Johnny. It.
0: It's better than you and I put together.
1: Yeah. Our interview bot does it better than a human. And that is quite exciting and quite terrifying all at the same time.
0: I like this. He was talking about, right at the end really, but um, in the improvise section, he said, say yes and instead of yes but. Yeah. I've read that a lot and I do use that a lot. I think that's a really important thing. I I very rarely
1: use but in a conversation.
0: If you can replace but with and, you always should.
1: Very powerful linguistic tool.
0: Yeah, Because but
1: negates anything you've said prior linguistically. Correct. I think that's a really good idea, Mr. Client, but you've just negated everything you We said think it's before. a really bad idea. You, you, you've just negated everything you've said, whereas you say, I think that's a really good idea, and I'm wondering if I can ask you to taint, entertain the possibility that.
0: Yep. And then the last chapter is serve.
1: What do you make of this one?
0: Go to page 231, it summarises it all.
1: Does it? There was a point here, and this is just, I, I thought, really interesting. It was just about humanity and empathy. When radiologists sat at their computers and called up one of the patient CT scans to make an assessment, the patient's photograph automatically appeared next to the image. After they'd made their assessments, the radiologists completed a questionnaire. All of them reported feeling more empathy for the patient after seeing more fo- the photograph and being more particular in the way they examined the scan. But the real power uh, uh, in, it revealed itself three months later. 80% of the incidental findings were not reported when the photograph was omitted.
0: Yes, I thought that was fascinating.
1: That's yeah. Unbelievable, isn't it? Well, they were just focused on one thing though, weren't they? But not having so not realizing that there's a human in the photo, in the in the scan or the x ray, made them 80% less effective. But sorry, the AIs can read the read the x rays. Yes, they can, yeah better i don't i don't need need a radiologist to develop some empathy sorry we don't need you anymore we don't need radiologists well we won't do we won't you know you look at some of the clients i deal with that are in uh imaging ai that's just going to reduce the amount of necessary radiologists anyway i'm at the end of the book (sighs) (sighs) okay thoughts on this book if
0: you can live with the nature of the fact of how it's written, which is old-fashioned, and I think for people who read a lot of sales books, like some of the stuff we read, you've got, you've got to try hard to read it. But if you do read it, it's good.
1: I am not going to recommend it at all. Fair enough. I think that it is a book I've read, I've learned a bit about it. If you've If you're a good speed reader, maybe. If you think you could smash it in two and a half hours, maybe. But actually, is there that much in it that would make it worth a whole Sunday? If you're not a speed reader, no, definitely not. So it's no
0: from you. What are you giving it out of ten? Two. A two? That's, That's the harshest score you've ever given.
1: Yeah. It just felt really... I can see the LinkedIn post now. Johnny gave this a two out of ten. Yeah, Daniel Pink come after me, dude. Um, I just thought it was rubbish. I just (laughs) thought uh, dated, ancient, there was some good stuff in it and some of it was interesting, but had I not had to read it for book club, there is no way it would have passed the 45-minute test for me.
0: You'd have binned it straight off.
1: I just wouldn't have got, I wouldn't have, uh, my wife and I have very specific rules on content. So TV show gets 10 minutes, film gets 10 minutes, book gets 50 pages. It would have never made it past 50 pages. Fair enough. I'd have been, it would have literally, yep, next, I wouldn't have, I'd have deleted it from my Kindle. That's the real insult. If it, uh, you know. So if
0: you, if you had this physical copy, would it live on your shelf?
1: No. I'd have put it in the bin.
0: Put it in the recycling.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't have even had it in my library.
0: But if I'm going to be a little bit more positive, I I, I think it was a good solid five.
1: <laughs> what about? Right. It's 150% more than you gave it. Daniel Pink's grand opus on life of a salesman. i tell you this though, when it came out... I think it will have been revolutionary when it came when out. When
0: it came out, people will have been absolutely falling all over themselves, but it's one of those. If you're Daniel Pink, would you still stock it on Amazon? Yeah, why wouldn't you? Yeah
1: yeah but i think there's better books telling the story now drive i'd be interested to read drive again because i have read it and i thought drive was game changing
0: anyway it's got a five from me that's it
1: right and at that we say goodbye and thank you